Signs of the Southland, Sunday, September 18th, 2022. Oh boy, what a what a weekend. Huh. Lots of lots of stuff to talk about, wouldn't you say, Mr. Purdy? It was it was lively. I I think of my waking hours, approximately ninety five percent of them have been concerned with something athletic related, either professional or amateur. Unless you don't want to call college football amateur football anymore. Ooh, we're getting into spicy take territory. I assume yeah. Jake has a has a particular take on that. I was going to ask Jack if he thought uh, his weekend was particularly tech lively. Uh, ha ha ha! Oh, but um, yeah. all, bad uh, jokes. All all bad ten jokes. of us that'll get that joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened to a couple episodes in my day. For those who don't know, Jack used to host the Techniques podcast, uh, Tech Lively. So, uh, but we have him now. So. Good job on uh, on finding us. But uh, in terms of the weekend, I think it was more a weekend of doom scrolling, I think is probably <laughs> probably the right way to put it. Like, I, I mean, I demand the Twitter for the for the tech Ole Miss game on Saturday. And that was just a we'll bad excuse to be constantly on Twitter uh, about this, that and the other thing, including Iowa State's uh, like bridge that they're all obsessed with now. Apparently, they're undefeated <laughs> since building this bridge. So that really spoke to me. That was that was fun, but uh, I would not have found it without all the doom scrolling. At they're least they're gonna have to take the bridge down when they lose. That's just how that's gonna have to go now. <laughs> I bet it sure costs less than well. the one on North Side too. You know. Yeah. Uh, speaking Get your head out of your bridges. hands, Akshay. Speaking of bridges, I'm going to use that as a segue into our first news segment. Cross Country was in Huntsville this weekend, I believe, for the North Alabama Invitational. I now have to look up results. Running Club uh, was there, too, Jake, actually. Before Jake tries to stub me and take away my segue, because I am totally a good podcaster. Please, someone give me results. Okay, Jake, please go before I embarrass myself. Yeah, so I actually learned at church this morning that the run and rec was up there too, which is Tech's uh, club running. So that's uh, that's interesting. I feel like every every year I learn something new about cross country being that weird intersection between D one, D two, D three unattached athletes. Track kind of runs this way too, but um, but for there to be club athletes there too, I was like, well, I guess that makes sense. I mean, if against Barry, like might as well. Might as well throw the uh, you know that next slate of uh, of tech athletes in there too. Uh, in terms of actual results, which I'm sure everyone is you know at the at the edge of their seat for, uh, Tech did place third at North Alabama. Uh, in, uh, in terms of big names, Liz Galarza, John Hagenbotham uh, led the women and the men respectively. Uh, in terms of other schools that, that were there, uh, Auburn, Eastern Kentucky. And Georgia, uh, so you know, notch that one on the old uh, on the old ledger uh, in favor of Tech, which is always always fun to see as well. Did you guys notice anything else? Uh, any any other comments? I tried to check the actual like line by line results, but I keep getting spam blocked, so I could not tell you much more than much more than what I can glean via Twitter, RandallRec.com, and other sources. I have I have the live results up. You will so let me read off the top ten uh, in terms of schools, at least on the men's side. 
Alabama, South Alabama, Alabama, South Alabama, Alabama, Lamar, Cumberland, which lol, uh, Auburn, <laughs> Mississippi College, question mark, and then Georgia Tech. Uh, that is on the men's side that Georgia Tech athlete is John Higginbotham, Higginbotham, and he is, he plays 24, 24 minutes, 86 milliseconds, I think. Um, and then on the women's side, Kentucky, Alabama, Kentucky, Georgia Tech, Eastern Kentucky, Auburn, Georgia Tech again, Southern Miss, Alabama, Samford, your fourth place on the women's side, Liz Galarza, 1638-96 in the 5K, uh, and then Helena, Lindsay, uh, 1649-08 at seventh. So pretty good showing, uh, dominated by Alabama's. And their other constituent parts in the SEC. So weird stuff for a running course. Didn't really expect to see that personally. Though I guess it is the North Alabama showcase. So yeah, I mean, it's uh, always interesting to to kind of see how stuff like that shakes out. I feel like there's always a, a surprise or two in there. But, um, you know, in, in terms of. I guess quality of an opponent. There, there was quite a few big, big names there, and also kind of a long list of teams that are there. So third, not too bad. Yeah, it's good. Uh, one last note before we move on. Uh, on the live results page, uh, the John Hunt Park uh, and North Alabama showcase mentioned that they have a GoFundMe as they recover from flood damage at their offices. Uh, so please feel free. We'll put the link to that in the show notes. Please feel free to donate to that um, as well because flooding the last couple of months in some parts of the Southeast has been really, really tragic and terrible. Uh, Let's move on to club soccer, for which I think that is the only club sport that we have results for this week. Uh, Jake, tell me about the women's club soccer program at Tech. Yeah, so club soccer off to, well, they had a tremendous year last year, uh, great showing at the national level, uh, kind of following that up strong with the 2-0 win uh, against Gould Out East, uh, which really is the theme of a lot of the teams this weekend that we will be talking about and have already talked about. So uh, great to see them, you know, not just uh, winning, but also pitching a shutout. Uh, they're, again, a team that's been really solid year over year for Honestly, as long as I can remember. So they, they seem to have not uh, missed a beat since last year. And then over to the men's side, por favor. Yeah, men's side, 4 nothing, uh, blank slate win uh, against Kennesaw. So again, they've uh, they've been pretty strong too. And definitely great to see them, you know, taking care of business versus in-state schools. And, you know, it's uh, it's something that I don't think I've – really done a good job of like staying in tune with since I've graduated. But, um, you know, this is, this is the soccer option for Georgia tech. So if you're so inclined, uh, go take a look at their uh, schedules. They post those on Instagram. So that would be your chance. For now, just wait until the AD adopts our plan to cap the connector and then put a soccer stadium on it. I'm telling you it will happen at some point. Speaking of teams taking care of business versus in-state opponents, let's start on Saturday uh, in Stegeman Coliseum in Athens, Georgia. Mr. Purdy, Georgia Tech Volleyball, 3-0 sweep of yet another bad community college. Tell me more. 
I thank goodness because by the time uh, we finished playing Ole Miss in football and me and you had left the United game, none of our teams had scored in any capacity whatsoever by the time this game had started. Uh, and so we got we we were three. I counted a scoring here as winning the set. So yeah, we won three zero, twenty five nineteen, twenty nine. 2517 2521 uh they played they played in yeah. they played in their basketball arena uh they they had a pretty good crowd from what i saw on tv um the hecklers were hilarious of the ones that got caught over the boom mic or whatever mic they used to pump in uh sound bergman otene and bernalino all had over 10 kills bergman led again of course at 16 bernalino 10 otene 11 kills D'Amico had 39 assists on uh, i think that was uh, I think only one kill she did not assist on for the entire match. Uh, so just right on up there. Uh, it was a quick thrashing, only an hour 29. One of Georgia's players got a yellow card, which I did not realize was a thing you could get in volleyball at the time. Uh, but that that happened. They got they got a little testy, and so they got carded. They didn't have to, like, leave. It's not like intramurals where if you get a card in soccer, you have to leave the field. Uh, they just They just got a card. Um. So the, the, it was a good it was a good day waiting off the snide because we had beat we had lost to Arkansas. Um, we were there. We were we were the first. We were the second top ten casualty for the Razorbacks. Um, and their first win against the top or their this is the highest ranked win that program has had since two thousand seven. So we really were a landmark win for that program. Uh, as they are now newly ranked for the first time in a while. So I got before before. Okay, go for it. I was going to say, I got to jump in on the yellow card thing because there's one man in particular on our staff that is phenomenal at uh, getting the refs so uh, thorough a uh, lesson that uh, he gets yellow carded at least a couple times a year, and that would be one Mr. Claudio. So keep an eye out for that because usually if he's that worked up, they probably made the wrong call, but it's it, it's interesting to watch at least. So back to the Athens, the game in Athens for a sec. Given that Tech had lost its two previous games before that, were there any adjustments that you saw that led to success in that game yeah. in Stegeman? Or yeah, was we, it more of a talent differential situation? Uh, definitely both. Um, Georgia was was no Arkansas. They were no Ohio State um, by any stretch of the means. They had a better record at the time, technically. Um, but I haven't checked their schedule to see if they played anyone of note. But no, there was definitely a talent gap there, um, and we were playing cleaner volleyball. Like it, we were we were just able to just rope together a lot more kills. It never felt like we really were getting pushed. One of the sets there was ten lead changes, I think. So it was back and forth a lot. And I don't know if we've done a race plot for this match yet, but uh, I, I think I think that first set we got we got we it was back and forth, got away at the end uh, to win that one, and then second and third sets were not much of a challenge at all so i i think while at arkansas they were they were good they're getting better they were writing a, a really good set of couple wins they had beaten with washington to start the year so like they knew they were good just to get off this night um so no, i think this was just a normal game they thankfully flew straight from uh arkansas to athens so they didn't have to do any extra travel like i probably would have thought they would have done um and then they come back and they got two games here at home it's coming up so a, a a good team has to be able to get up to to rebound from losses, and they did it very very well, and they did it in their normal fashion. So, I am not in terms of if there's a panic meter, I'm not registering on the panic meter at all right now. Fair. I uh, 
I do think it's interesting that they flew direct from Fayetteville to Athens. But, you know, hey, yeah. when you're a top 10 team and, and you need to get from one end of the SEC to the other, I I guess that's what you got to do. Yeah. yeah, This was a weird situation. What, what was this, like Thursday night or Friday morning where both of you were looking up flight records for this? And I was just like, this <laughs> we is... Were, we were. <laughs> Look, there are other like... things that flight... like. I think volleyball flight tracking is a little much, even for us. I think so too. I, I just, I, I just noticed their story. I was like, they're on a plane, but that does not look like that looks like a residential area right next to that landing strip. So, like, clearly they were somewhere. I'll, also, I don't really ever flown into big cities, so I could be mistaken for a normal well, airport. But the thing that anyways, threw I, me, go ahead. The thing that threw me was there was a flight from uh, Northwest Arkansas Regional XNA big plane nerd guy me uh to atlanta right around the same time i was like oh it has to be that and then i'm just kind of like chilling with the radar on in the background and it's like oh fayetteville to athens direct in a plane that looks like what they just posted on their instagram story yeah Yeah, we'll go go with that yeah (laughs) we're moving on uh other results around the country uh pitt beat ohio states uh, ohio state in straight sets earlier today so that's Something to file away for later. Pitt, I think, is still ranked at 12th. I don't think we've seen an updated coaches poll yet. Uh, Wisconsin sold out their arena. Their, I think it was their basketball arena for a game versus Florida. Uh, I think those are both ranked teams, so that's interesting to see. Also interesting to see a lot of really high-level volleyball has made it onto ESPN networks on like linear ESPN networks on actual TV. Uh, earlier this week, we had uh, Kentucky play Louisville, I think, at Louisville. Uh, which was pretty cool to see. And then earlier today, Nebraska versus Kentucky was on ESPN2. So ESPN, ESPN2, a lot of volleyball making it up uh, on there. It's it's fun to see. I mean, it's a really good TV sport, and um, it's good to see it getting more exposure, don't you think? It's growing well, in popularity amongst the youths nowadays, too. So it, it's in just terms of sports available to play. So getting it out there is important to carry on kids wanting to keep playing volleyball as well i mean it, it's it's just a, a great product to watch too even even if you're casual every every what did uh coach collier say on the show every action ends in a point that's that's about as good of a selling point for for me yeah. you know they're scoring all the time and i just will note the fact that the wisconsin sold at the coal center means we should be able to sell out uh ish when the time comes against pit next month so Tickets are only ten dollars. Mm-hmm. That game mm-hmm. is a lot closer than you think it is, or that you that no, you might. It's think in less it than a month. In less than a month, we're talking three it's weeks. Like in three weeks, yeah. Um, that is what October 9th. That is the same weekend as homecoming, I believe. So get your tickets for that. I think the lower bowl is currently on sale right now. Um, yeah, they're gonna I do the lower know. bowl and then do the upper bowl if they need to. I wonder where yeah. my seats are. Or our seats, actually, because we both have season tickets. So go I, figure. It's probably Janet. It's probably GA. I wouldn't. Mm. I, I don't expect it to be uh, to be anything other than GA. But we'll we'll see. I mean, we haven't gotten any sort of update about that from uh, from GTAA. Um, speaking of updates, we do have from G- GTAA. The ACC slate begins this week for the volleyball team. Mr. Grant, do you want to talk about our competition coming up? Yeah, so uh, we do have really every team 
eventually at some point. So that's fun. But uh, we're starting it off with home versus Wake Forest Friday the 23rd. That's an evening game in the ACC. It's worth noting that uh, they do play two games in a weekend and weekends that they're home. Usually that is a Friday night cap and then a Sunday afternoon. So it'll be uh, Wake Forest, like I said, Friday the 23rd. And then Virginia Tech Sunday the 25th. Uh, I don't want to put any carts before any horses, but neither of these teams are particularly uh, conference heavyweights, I think is a very nice way to put it. Uh, and I'm a nice guy, so I want to leave it there. But uh, if you want to see Tech take care of business, I believe that there's still tickets on sale. I haven't seen anything indicating they are sold out. So go ahead and grab those. And uh, yeah, should be a Friday night uh, nightcap. Again, if you're in the area on Sunday, that usually is a nice draw for the make an afternoon in Midtown of it. Don't have to fight as much traffic type crowd too. Uh, uh, just to provide some context, uh, the almost the entire ACC has been really strong in non-con this year, uh, at least records-wise. I don't know about the strength of schedules here, but Wake Forest, so, season three, uh, and let then me, Virginia let, Tech. Let me enlighten you a little bit. So the... I think it was the second year that I was covering volleyball. I was like, wow, I'm going to do a pre-ACC conference season preview. Like, you know, just write something up on the site. And I was like, wow, Boston College is like 12-1, and like 13-0. and They must be really good. And I'm pretty sure they went like 2-16 and in the ACC. So I would not put a lot of uh, – I wouldn't put too much undue weight on various ACC's non-con teams. The obvious caveats there are going to be, you know, us with our ridiculous schedule, Pitt with their ridiculous schedule. Louisville has played quite a number of good teams, including being on like the mainline ESPN, like you mentioned, which is which is wild. But um, yeah, uh, not everyone's slate is quite as aggressive as Texas. So it might not be something we can say is apples to apples there uh, with respect to maybe that eight and three and that seven and two. Boston College eleven and two this season, by the way. Just saying. Maybe it's BC's I mean, year, Jake. You don't nope. know that. It, it's a new year. It's a new year. I haven't looked at everyone's every schedule to memorize it inside and out, but let's let the, let's let's play two weeks in the ACC and and then make our judgments on on the strength of some of those schedules. Since we Speak. restarted recording, the Falcons were down two scores. Blocked a punt, scored a touchdown, got the two-point conversion, and then got another turnover, and they got the ball on the Rams' side of the field with two and a half minutes to go, down one score. Do you want to let me know what score the uh, or what score the Falcons were down by uh, before that entire sequence? I like kind of do, but really don't want to, so I don't have a panic attack while I start recalling things in my brain. But we were down, we were we were down twenty-eight to three. More about football after this <laughs> short break once again uh this is our intermission to tell you about section 103 i'm in a section 103 shirt again today uh and part of the reason that i chose this particular one the welcome to the thriller dome shirt is because uh i was at the game yesterday and i saw josh passender on the sideline and it made me miss basketball uh i love basketball i love the thriller dome i am thrilled wow i didn't mean to do that but i am thrilled uh that uh Volleyball is playing in McCamish in just a couple of weeks, but uh, this is probably my favorite tech shirt that I own. I love Buzz doing fun stuff. I love Buzz spinning a basketball on his finger. Uh, and my first Georgia Tech sports love will always be men's basketball. So uh, that's uh, 
you know, just everything you could want in in a in a comfy, correct gold uh, shirt, very soft as well. Uh, so that is, at least in my opinion, the the shirt of the week. Uh, doesn't really have anything to do with uh, maybe currently active sports, but uh, we'll plug it. Uh, in terms of the usual, you can find them section103.com on Twitter at section103. Interact, choose the next shirt. Uh, always lots of good stuff and lots of good tech content coming out of there. And as always, uh, free shipping on orders over 70 bucks. Uh, that's section103.com. Great partners to us. Uh, great uh, tech uh, tech folks as well. So really can't say enough about the great stuff that they've done. Um, you know, just putting out really, really accessible, high quality stuff. Welcome back to Scions of the Southland. <sighs> Gentlemen, I come bearing bad news. Jeff Collins remains employed at the Georgia Institute of Technology uh, as its head football coach. He and his team posted a shutout for his offense yesterday, uh, losing 42 to zip versus Ole Miss. Now, I don't want to talk about the game. The final score kind of says it all. It was putrid. I have a whole thing uh, in the advanced stats review on that game and a bunch of other things. Jake, you were in the arena. Jack and I were not. Please explain to me your emotions as this was unfolding. So I think a lot of people knew or had this sense of Ole Miss kind of being a bellwether game, right? You know, you going up against Clemson they did Clemson things you're going up against Western Carolina they were Western Carolina but Ole Miss was going to be like a a prove it game and there's people that have been for the last probably even starting as early as the Citadel loss but I'll I'll leave that to the the annals of history to to kind of determine in a couple years but um you know people have been in a broad spectrum of opinions of feelings but i i think in general a lot of people kind of had the Ole Miss game circled as you know maybe we find out a thing about this team or about this program or just something from the Ole Miss game and i think based on uh fans voting with their feet at certain points in the game based on what i saw on twitter based on how people were interacting with us and with the site on twitter during the game uh, i think it was pretty and comments on on the game thread and whatnot. I think it's pretty clear that it seems that everyone is kind of on the same page that things aren't working out. That being said, you said to talk about the atmosphere, and I will plug that. That is the most beautiful weather I have ever had for a Georgia Tech game. I think every Ole Miss fan I interacted with was either super nice or just kind of like, you know, enjoying the city. Yeah, the the literal atmosphere uh, was phenomenal. It was a blessing of a September day, and I was enjoying just being outside uh, once I kind of got over the the, the the crushing disappointment of seeing something that, uh, you know, I really care about be just not that good. Uh, and, and that's what they were yesterday, not that good. Welcome to uh, Atlanta Sports, Mr. Grant. Jack, <laughs> I know you weren't there, but we met briefly at the United game to talk about this. Yeah. Uh, and I think at that point it was – was it 14 zero? It was 21 zero. It was something it was, zero. It was one of, it was either 21 or 28 at the time. Uh, See, meanwhile, Jack still saw me before the game at tech when I had hope in my eyes and stuff like that. So <laughs> <laughs> probably a different vibe. Uh, Jack, 
you watch, I think, three quarters of this on a phone in the club level at Mercedes-Benz. What were your thoughts? When I saw we had first and goal from the six, I was, A, delightfully surprised. I was like, all right, cool. We at least getting a drive put together. And then saw that we ran the ball for a couple of yards. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Let's see if we can not throw a pick here. And then proceeded to what was on second down. Uh, in the incompletion on second down in the corner, basically trying to throw the Calvin Johnson fade, um, which uh, we, we, as Robert mentioned in our football preview pod, if we just don't have wide receivers that you like act like that uh, or are that just, just at that level. And then a, a, a run on third down inexplicably and then sacked without even a challenge on fourth down. I knew what was happening. As, I didn't really need to watch much after that. I still popped in when I could, but once I saw that set of four plays go down, I, 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 all of my, any ounce of hope I had left when, when we could have gone from one, from two scores to one score, like a, just a normal touchdown. And then Ole Miss just flew right back down the field. I was like, oh, that's, that was it. I, I knew that was the end of that. So, um, and then just kept checking my phone to see if we had put anything up. And then just the fact there was just it, never a point scored. I was, it, yeah. The, it was uh, a rough day. It was, it was a, rough a rough day. day. I think. My my lack of words here, I think, is a very good expression of just what the general vibe across the alumni and fan base is right now. Uh, I would call it jokerification at this point. Um, I may have made that word up. I may have stolen it from the internet. You'll never know. Let's move on. Let's talk about what the immediate future looks like over the next indefinite period between now and the last week of November. Here's what the buyout situation is. These numbers are per, I believe, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If the head football coach of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets is fired today, which he has not been as of the time of recording at around 7 p.m. on Sunday, September 18th, he will be owed $14 million. If he is fired at uh, an undisclosed point in December, I think the reporting was that it was December 1st, he would be owed $10 million. If he was fired after January 1st, on or after, he'd be owed $7 million. He is never going to make it to January 1st. I think the only way this ends, even if he gets through the remaining five hours of Sunday, They'd owe him $10 million, regardless of when they fire, if they fired him now or sometime in December, because that's just how the buyout would be negotiated down. I think you can absolutely negotiate your way out of this very constrained paper bag. On the contract part, I I wonder if the December part is just about when the conference championships are, like where, what day that lines up on, because in theory, he we could, I mean, technically we still could make that game. So I wonder if it's, that's where the demarcation point is and why it's not necessarily listed. Um, but no, I don't think we'll need to get to December 1 to know. Um, I guess in theory, they could still be working out contract negotiations of what the buyout number is right now. And it just takes hours. And we just thought it would happen during the work day for whatever that accounts for on a Sunday. But I mean, hard, hard to say right now. You can't make a bad hire and then publicly pitch your wagon to that hire and when you know the the titanic there is has hit the iceberg and is sinking right i think that that inevitably 
is what makes this look even worse, right? Because we got the dreaded vote of confidence situation over the winter. And that, that I think that has an effect in the consideration for all this. Yeah, not only that, but like the the contract, we're still in the front half of this contract too. Like the wagon was very much hitched at the beginning before a snap was even played, before practice was run. So like it was in a lot of ways, like this had to work out because there was a lot put, a lot put on this. So, uh, yeah, I, the, 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 uh, I mean, as you said, like that winter statement of, or whatever, he backed him again. I was, I, I, that, that made my, that got my head shaking. I was like, all right, maybe, maybe let's give us another, another role, but these are all Collins's guys now. So, see, that's, that's something that, like, I don't think you would call me a, Collins or Stansbury apologist. I don't think those are really smart terms to use about, you know, mere mortals and whatnot, if we're going to get a little bit heady. But um, I don't think Stansbury really had any choice. So I think people writing a lot into saying, hey, this guy that I've hired and have a contract to be our football coach for the next four years, we're going to cut bait after giving him all this rope of saying, yeah, this this triple option thing, this is going to be a huge transition. Um, giant global pandemic, um, say what you will about all that. 2021 was the first quote unquote normal year he was going to have. And even that was supposed to be seen as a year zero. You don't cut bait or, or year one, whatever. I don't, I don't know this year one, negative one, zero, yeah, negative two crap, but, but you're, you're not going to cut bait on somebody after year, you know, two, three question mark, whatever you want to assign it with those funky numbers in it just doesn't make any sense, especially not when you still have to pay him seven, eight figures of cold, yeah. hard cash when you are so in debt as an athletic department. Like, <laughs> there's, I don't care if somebody in December had said, you know what, I am insert rich GT alum here, insert rich GT fan here, I will give you the money. There are so many better things that we can do than to pay Paul Hewitt's, than to pay Jeff Collins's, than to pay insert old uh, uh, not paul hewitt uh who came after him gosh brian gregory you know like we we just don't have the money to be burning on people not to be employed at georgia tech anymore that's money that can go to volleyball um that's money that can go to baseball that's money that can go heck to football you know and you know if that means that they get better helmet technology or you know somebody somewhere in the cross country team gets more square meals or something like that that's way more you know, effective ways to spend limited resources than to, you know, lie in the pockets of whoever Collins' agent is or whatever. Can, I, do any of you remember the exact or what the around number is of how much in debt we are right now? I'm forgetting this. Boy, howdy, do I. It's seared into my brain. It's yeah. around $270 million, Jack. Jesus. Uh, okay. That is in, I believe, 2021 $20, dollars. So probably right, worse now. Like, and it's but... gotten bigger. It's gotten bigger. Got so, bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has absolutely gotten bigger. Let me, because I do think we have to talk about the debt situation. I typed up a whole thing uh, for someone yesterday. Let me see if I can scroll, scroll, scroll. I'll scroll, ramble here for uh, a second and, while you're scrolling and just be like, and for those thinking about this, I'm like, yeah, there is a, the football product is one thing, but the business decision on this is just a massive decision as well. And they, I don't, I mean, Stansbury and Cabrera, whoever's going to make the final call on this, has to put a number on how much do we want to, like, how much value are we going to get out of 
kicking Collins out now or whatever term you want to use. Like that's that is a very hard call to make right now. So I that that and I don't have a number for that that either. Um so here's what I got. Uh this is from the 2021 financial report that Georgia Tech submits to the to the NCAA. Uh, I will offer the caveat that there are lies, damned lies, and then schools NCAA financial reports. So yes, keep that yes. in mind. <laughs> the are uh, these are heavily manipulated to make athletics seem like impoverished situations at most institutions for you know capital gain anyway to get to the actual point operating expenses in in financial year or fiscal year 2021 80 around 86 million dollars i rounded all these to three significant figures debt payments existing facilities and real estate debt payments uh is 14 million dollars that's about six 16 percent of the annual expenses or budget um Operating revenues every year uh, per the report, $86.2 million. And then media rights revenue, which I threw in here because the person that uh, asked me to put this together had asked for it, $25.1 million. That's about 29% of revenues. So walking this out, right? If you fire the sitting head football coach today at $14 million and and the situation with paying it out is like – um, Gus Malzahn's situation with Auburn uh, last year or the year before, where he had to be paid half of it within 30 days, and then the rest was doled out in equal installments over the – for him it was two years, but let's be generous and say it's four years for Georgia Tech. Um, assuming all other stuff remains equal in this scenario, your 2022 operating expenses are now $93 million dollars. Your 23 through 26 operating expenses are about $87.75 million, 87.8, if you want to stick to the rounding scheme. Um, and you're and you're still paying $14 million in other debt payments. Um, the buyout cost is at $7 million in 20 in, in 22. Um, in so your total outlay in fiscal year 22 is now $21 million in terms of debt. And then from 23 to 26 you're paying out $1.75 million, $1.8. Um, and, and your total debt outlay is now $15.8 million. To give percentages, debt outlay in 22, 22.5%. Debt outlay in 23 through 26 is 17.9%, all out of the total operating expenses. Jake, you've been pointing at yourself trying to say something for the last five minutes as I've been talking. Please and, give me your take. And this... This all ignores slash uh, makes irrelevant the fact that there were a couple of years in very recent memory where tech was only paying down interest or very small amounts of principal from the giant loans that they're currently in debt for. Uh, this is something that they've restructured a number of times. I don't have privy to the exact financial details, but it is worth noting that you know for, for a while it was structured in such a way that the payments were essentially interest in small amount of principal, interest in small amount of principal, and then a giant $30 million like lump uh, far out into the future. So this is something that's been affecting tech for a long time. It's something that's been kind of a giant question mark in how it was handled in pre-Stansbury years, uh, especially, uh, or you know, years before he had control and restructure and, and stuff like that. It, it, it's bad. There, there, there's no other way to put it. Like Georgia Tech is hamstrung yes by 
you know, maybe more modest financial resources to start with than some of its peers or neighbors. But on top of that, it it's like fighting with another hand behind your back with with the existing debt on top of it. I don't want to do a whole another podcast segment on the exact details of the actual debt, like what what constitutes a debt. I think we've already talked about it at one point. And and the thing you're referring to is the Georgia Tech football show me the money article that you wrote uh, in spring of 21, right? And Stephen wrote one too the year before. So let less less that be forgotten. I, as somebody who can see the stats on our website, I'm sure you would be shocked to hear that that is one of our most read articles for today, and that came out a year and a half ago. So, if you um, want to know the state of the fan base, I uh, think that'll that being in the top ten of with all the you know stuff that's gone on uh, of late, I think that's pretty telling. Um, I need to pull up the one like hilariously damning figure from that article because it is just absolutely brutal. So I know one of you has another take, so please vamp while I find this. I still don't have a number in terms of what, how much, like where I put the value on getting rid of Collins today. um, If that were to happen, my thought is he, we have to, if there is another level to consider this, to seeing how our conference schedule plays out is something we don't have a juggernaut again until Georgia. So, uh, like, if we lose to Duke by forty points, <laughs> oh boy, I, I don't know. Three and Duke what? that was considered to be a smoldering crater at the yes. end of last season. So, yeah. game day uh, is doing them feel. a disservice to not be in Lawrence or Durham, whichever one that game is at. It's week, in Lawrence. That's I think it's bad. Duke at Kansas. The damning figure from the article that I wrote a couple a couple years ago. Uh, and I'll quote myself here. However, if our favorite, usually obtuse college athletic authority is being uncharacteristically clear with this terminology, I am simply awestruck by the fact that athletics makes up a whopping 48.5% of the Institute's total debt and 29 point, or 27.9%, excuse me, of its annual debt service payments, end quote. So... Uh, that's the that's the money figure right there. Pun completely intended. It's unbelievable and almost unconscionable that a modern athletic department is this far in debt. I will note, I haven't done the full analysis on the rest of the country or the rest of the ACC to know if this is normal. Maybe this is all normal or at least reasonable and I'm overreacting and I overreacted two years ago. But I look at the raw data. I get very frustrated. Jake, please, uh, please alleviate my concern, if you will. I've got nothing. This this debt thing. I'm somebody who worries about you know money in general, just because fastidious family and stuff like that. Being an out of state kid, I've always thought about that. But uh, I, I really don't see any positive way to spin it. The only thing that comes to mind on the radar is that some of the two point whatever billion tech is trying to raise right now in its latest capital campaign. I believe some of that is earmarked for athletics. And if even even some of that could could go to just straight into the payoff to debt slush fund, that would be, you know, at, at, it would help at least a little bit. But I think it's so much at this point that I don't I don't even know where you start. It seems like I'm a, a hole that's just getting deeper all the time. We also gotta like, you no. know, build a volleyball gym probably again and something for whatever the title nine sport that we add whatever that will be so hey i think if if they really do cap the connector tech has to hold institute not just athletics has to hold whoever's doing that 
feet to the fire because if, if they're taking out O'Keefe plus, uh, I mean, those renderings seem to be missing at least a couple of other tech buildings too. I, I just don't know how you could, you know, save like an O'Keefe or a, maybe a Theta or an Alpha Z if you're if you're capping the highway like that. I just don't right. know where that foundation would work. But maybe maybe you get some sort of payout for that. But that's probably just a one for one type thing, not like a ha ha ha, you know. <laughs> There's that two hundred fifty million dollars. You know, like I don't think that's I don't think that would go. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. So one of the things that I keep hearing, I think the way that this is being construed on the internet at large is that that this being Georgia Tech's football situation, and to a certain extent, its debt situation, it is being construed as is Georgia Tech actually serious about its athletic program, and. I think the fact that they're this far in debt would be an immediate answer to that. But Jake, I want to kick it over to you because I think this is your department. It's the most reductive take that you could have about Georgia Tech. You can't say that that we're not, they, we are not serious about football just because, you know, you sell out, you know, volleyball games. You put a ton of people in in a women's basketball game on a Thursday night or, you know, you, you really pack out a baseball stadium that's not a, a lack of support voting with your feet is something that it doesn't make you a bad fan or a bad fan base to say hey something's not working or hey like you know i, I have better ways to spend my time it's bad it's not good i don't like think it's something that you want to achieve but i don't think you can say hey Oh yeah, sleeping giant. Like you know, that'll be the magical fix that comes back to save everything. But at the same time, you're you're building a you know a, a a bunch of phenomenal programs that really don't get their their fair shake, and that's really the heart of uh, of that pull between football and to a lesser extent men's basketball and and, and the rest of my athletics program in general. Because like it or not, ninety percent of people's judgment on the the health or status of an athletic department is what they hear and see about college football. Another 8% of that five, eight, 9%, whatever you're getting close to hundred percent is going to be men's basketball. And that last one to 5%, depending on what school you're at is going to be the rest of volleyball, women's basketball, baseball, softball, tennis, swimming and diving. And that just happens to be where all of our best programs are right now. And that's, it's an ebb and a flow. Maybe the next higher or something changes that but at, at this time it's not really fair to you know almost 400 other athletes uh, a ton of other season ticket holders who watch a really great product and want to support those teams and 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 you know the, the programs and the cultures they're building because that reflects on the athletic department as a whole too because at the end of the day athletics is not there in my humble opinion to just be football 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 it's there to be part of a, a holistic you know enterprise and the point and, and one of the great benefits of having college sports is, you know, opening those doors wider to get, you know, student athletes in the door and things like that. And then that football program, say what you will. A lot of those boys are still graduating or, or transferring and finishing their careers elsewhere. But, you know, getting an education. And at the end of the day, that's what the importance and the value of going to college is. Bar none. And there's 400 whatever student athletes at the edge that you know, completely writing off, you know, all of their commitment in one fell swoop because football's one and two is, is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I I think you said all that needs to be said there. That's why I let you run with it. 
I know you've uncorked like three Jake rants tonight. Like I got to start charging more or something like that. <laughs> Charge, charging for podcast appearances. I have, where have I heard that one before? So two final notes. Um, number one, you're going to hear the name Dion Sanders a lot over the next eight months. Let's say you will keep hearing it. Do not believe it for a second. Do not convince yourself it will happen. It will not happen. Do not do that to yourself. I'm not saying that from like a Georgia Tech is not good enough for Dion situation. No, you hate the I'm Falcons. There you I go. do hate the Falcons. That is true. Um, but someone who is telling you that Dion Sanders is a good idea for Georgia Tech, I think it's a good barometer for telling that that person has no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> they do not understand the situation at play at Georgia Tech. And we'll, we'll talk about that in, in a future piece at some point, but like, it's not worth the mental effort. I, that's all I want to say. I've, I've seen some absolutely galaxy brain takes about that. The original rumor is from a Jacksonville radio host Number one, never believe a radio host when it comes to coaching searches. Number two, what possible what what could a radio host in Jacksonville possibly know about a coaching search in Atlanta for a school that is not in the SEC? Very little yep. is yep. my take. If you want to do your homework, you can. We have we have we have a piece about we had a, we had a uh, what a coach's draft hypothetical coach's draft before the season, and just in terms of like, all right, well, what if who who would be next? Uh, and there's some good names on there. Um, I, I see I, in the back of my head, I, I grew up in an Auburn household. So in the back of my head, I was like, man, this would be a weird week if you were playing UCF with an empty head coaching job and Gus Maltzons are right there across the field. Um, I don't know if it'd be a step up actually at this point, but I mean, I, it, the thought crossed my head. I don't want Gus Maltzon personally because I've, I've seen what it could turn into and just how just, it, it gets frustrating to watch his football, his brand of football sometimes. Hey, Even hey, though he made a PCS hey, title game. That, it's, that a higher, sounds, it's a higher Gus year. That's, that sounds like uh, something certain people said about one Mr. Paul Johnson, but uh, I'll yeah, leave me that included, there. Me included. And, be, be and I, will say, I will say I did make my fair share of higher Gus memes uh, the last time around, <laughs> but those were more memes for the sake of memes because that's who I am. But uh, He also I, owns I think a bunch of Waffle Houses. Just saying. He does. It, he does. It's still. It's still too early. Also, we, last guy was super, or the current guy is super into Waffle House. We saw how that worked out. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, but, I, I think it's. I think it's too early, right? Like the point of our fantasy draft of you know potential coaches was literally we're bored in the middle of summer, <laughs> and this yeah. is something that's on people's minds. This wasn't us coming from a place where you know the the from the rumble seat Illuminati or whatever. We, yeah, you know, we were not calling something. this. Exactly. This was not a prediction. No Babe Ruth here. No. It, uh, it, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, I, I say all this more to be like, all right, if you want to fill some time and you want to do some research and just see what the landscape is, we've got some resources out there for you. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I, it, this isn't going to be worth bringing up again until, uh, until, until the firing actually happens. If it happens, there's no telling still. I mean, there's a lot of football left to play. So I'll leave it at that. Here's my last note on this entire coaching carousel saga, whatever you want to call it. This is a tweet from Matt Brown, a uh, friend of the program, 
Matt Brown at extra points, the extra points Formally newsletter. SB Nation. Formerly SB Nation and now at D1 Ticker. Quote, my take on this development, this development referring to seeing coaches get fired in September. My take on this development is that if you are seriously considering firing a coach in September for non-scandal reasons, you should have fired that coach last season. And now you have bigger organizational questions to answer besides who is going to coach here now. End quote. I am going to leave that one lingering in the air for everyone to think about. Mr. Grant, Mr. Purdy, do you have anything else that we should discuss before we head out? We got two home volleyball games this week. They will be very fun. I do not think they are sold out yet. Uh, I have not seen word that they are, uh, but if you want to see some world, literally world-class volleyball, because Julia Bergman plays for the Brazilian national team now in some capacity. Also, is like has like 110,000 Instagram followers. Yeah, would, we mentioned this last like, time. Yeah, no, like it is, no, the, our volleyball games are the most fun. I know we keep peppering this, but because it's true and it is just so much fun. Please go. Mr. Graham. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably be there at some point, but uh, in, in terms of other Atlanta happenings, uh, it's supposed to, as far as I know, be another pretty nice week. So if you're in Atlanta, go enjoy the city, um, you know, go walk somewhere, go to a restaurant, go bike somewhere. Uh, you know, that's that's the point of these nice fall days. And uh, well, for the first time in three weeks, uh, you know, you, you have a full home slate of maybe other stuff besides football. So go get your car washed or something like that, too. All right. I think that wrap about wraps it up for us this week. Mr. Grant, take us home. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Science of the Southland, uh, and you can find us at our associated site, fromtherumbleseat.com. You can email us at fromtherumbleseat at gmail.com. We really do appreciate anything you might send that way. Uh, read all the emails, and we love the suggestions, especially for content, not only on the site, but for the podcast in particular. Uh, you can comment on the site. You can also find us and interact with us at FTRS blog. On Twitter, uh, I am at JakeGrant98. Jack is at Jack Nicholas. And if you find Akshay, you know, maybe you get a prize or something. He doesn't really really make that all that public. Um, again, we want to thank Section 103, great partners to the show and the site. And uh, yeah, for Jack and Akshay, it's been another another long week and, and we'll talk to you real soon. Good night. And-